Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we continue our study through the book of Revelation, and we come to the all-important chapters of 15 and 16. We're talking about the seven bowl judgments. Now, friends, I'll be honest with you. This probably was one of the most difficult sermons I have ever preached. The reason why is because as a gospel preacher, as someone who loves to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, it was very difficult to explain how God's wrath is on display as never before in the seven bowl judgments. But I talk very transparently in this sermon that if you are someone who follows Jesus, you cannot separate the attributes of God. You cannot embrace the love of God and ignore the wrath of God. And so in trying to be faithful to the whole counsel of God's word, I preached Revelation 15 and 16 to the very best of my ability. And I pray that as you listen today, you will feel the weightiness. You will feel the enormity of the wrath of God with sinners who God has displayed his grace and his sovereignty and has offered salvation to friends if there is someone in your life today that they are apart from jesus they have not yet embraced the gospel perhaps you'll share this sermon with them because if any chapter in the bible shows us the judgment that is to come it is revelation chapter 16. Today, if there's sin in your life, today, if you're unrepentant, today, if you've never been born again, today, if you refuse to walk away from your sin, if you love sin more than you love the Savior, then, friends, there's a wrath of God that awaits you. And what we're going to see today, as hard as it is, as difficult as it is, we're going to see the wrath of God on full display. Read it one more time, Caleb, and let's... Let's feel the weightiness of what Scripture is getting ready to teach us. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them the wrath of God is finished. So remember, we've come through the seal judgments. Remember, we've come through the trumpet judgments. And now, like labor pains on a woman, now we come to the finale we come to the seven bowl judgments, and with this, the wrath of God will be finished. Let's continue. Verse 2, And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name. Now, this is important. We saw this sea of glass in heaven. Remember, we saw it back in chapter 4 <coughs> and chapter 5 of Revelation. As the saints are around the throne, it mentions the sea of glass. Now, these that are around the throne, these that are at the sea of glass now, in chapter uh, 15, where we are today, who are they? They are the ones who conquered the beast. They're the ones who did not receive the mark of the beast. Remember a couple of weeks ago, in chapter 13, we were introduced to the beast and his mark. 
And everyone who receives the mark of the beast, according to last week, we are in chapter 14, anyone who receives the mark will be forever condemned with no opportunity to repent. These who have died during the tribulation, these are tribulation saints. Where do we see them? Around the same sea of glass that we, the church, where we're raptured before the tribulation ever begins, we are around the sea of glass, and now these precious tribulation saints are with us. And what are they singing? What are they proclaiming? Now listen, you can't miss this because this is very important. Continue, Caleb. And they were standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Now let's pause right there. If you're going to take notes today, this is the point of chapter 14, uh, 15. And it's going to be reinforced in chapter 16. <clears throat> Do you remember in the beginning of our study, I told you that my wife asked me a question at the very beginning of our study. And she said, here's one thing that I don't understand. If we are seeing the events on the earth as you say, from the balconies of heaven. If we're going to witness the events of the earth, if we're going to see these things take place, will it not absolutely break our hearts? Well, friends, the Bible is going to shape our perception here. The Bible, you cannot miss this. God is going to be completely justified in the judgment that he executes on sinners. And I want you to pay attention to the language of the scriptures because here's what is the temptation of us. Our compassionate hearts will say, that's not the God I pray to. Oh, (laughs) I can't see God doing that. Do you know how many Christians are not comfortable with the wrath of God? Do you know how many Christians do not accept the wrath of God? And see, here's the warning today. Here's where you and I have to be so careful. You and I do not worship a God in our own imagination. We do not worship a God in how we feel. You and I worship the God of the Bible. And to make up a God that's any different than the God of the Bible, friends, it's idolatry. I'm friends with a pastor who took a church in our city some years ago, and the church refused. They abolished communion. And do you know why? Because it mentioned too much the blood of Jesus. And they said that could be offensive to other people. Friends, without the blood of Christ, there's no forgiveness of sins. And you and I must understand, if you accept a God of love and a God of holiness, you better understand he's also a God of wrath and he's a God of righteousness. And you cannot separate the attributes of God. To do so is to make up a God in your own imagination. And to do so is idolatry. And do you know how many people in our culture today, they're not worshiping the God of the Bible. They're worshiping the God of how they feel. You and I cannot do that. And so today we're going to see, as hard as it is, we're going to see the wrath of God on full display. And here's what I want you to understand. Do you remember last week when we were in chapter 14? What was the first angel? What did he proclaim? 
the eternal gospel. To fear God, glorify God, worship God, to repent. Friends, when we come to this point of human history, here's what you and I cannot forget as we study this. God, for thousands of years, has proclaimed repentance. For thousands of years, as rich as the earth is in oxygen, that's how rich it is in the grace of God. And yet men have rejected it. And now we come to this point. There is no more repentance. There is no more grace. Judgment has come. And I want you to pay attention to the next few phrases. Because God is justified in his wrath, and God is justified in his judgments. Let's take them a phrase at a time, Caleb. <coughs> Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. There you go. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Next. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Just and true are your ways. God is just in all that he does. Continue. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? What did the angel say in chapter 14? Fear God. Fear God. Have a reverence. Have an awe. Have a respect. See, today, in our culture today, say amen if you're with me right now. We've become so familiar with God, we no longer fear him. Come on now. Amen? Amen. My little four-year-old Hudson, his grandmother took him to get a haircut yesterday. And you know what my little four-year-old said? He wanted a mohawk. <laughs> and you know what dad said? No mohawk. So my little four-year-old gets to the barber shop, and he tells his grandma Helen, he goes, I want a mohawk. Grandma Helen says, your daddy said no. And you know what my little four-year-old rugrat said? Daddy's blind. <laughs> just go ahead and put him on the cross. Let's just do three or four of them for good measure. But listen... We have become so familiar with God, we no longer fear him. Oh, God won't pay attention. God won't see it. God won't care. Fear God. Next. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Your righteous acts. What righteous acts? The seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and what is about to be the great finale, the, trump, uh, the bowl judgments. Continue. After this, I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. 
And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Isn't that fascinating scripture? Now remember, we've studied the four living creatures throughout all of our study. What did we say? Every time the four living creatures speak, it has to do with events on the earth. Every time the 24 elders, which represents the church speak, it has to do with events in heaven. Now, and remember what we said about Revelation, it's like, it's like the curtain closes and then the scenes change. And see, if you can understand, if you can gain an appreciation for the structure of the book, God structures the book of Revelation in such a way that you can find patterns. And as you find those patterns, things begin to make sense. It's like, it's like putting a large jigsaw puzzle together and pieces begin to fit. And then all of a sudden you begin to see the picture of what God is doing. And so here we see the four living creatures who always has to do with events on the earth. And remember, the scenes constantly change. All of a sudden, it's an event on the earth. Then the next chapter, it's an event in heaven. Then the next chapter is an event on the earth. Then the next is events in heaven. And that's the pattern that we see. Right now, we're in heaven with the angels and with the four living creatures. And we see the plagues of God. We see the bold judgments getting ready to be released. The next chapter... 16, we're going to be back on the earth. Again, it's like a play. The curtain goes down, and then the curtain goes up, and the scene shifts from heaven to earth, from heaven to earth. And it's like, it's like a play. Now, continue, please. This is chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth. And harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Now, this is going to be the first plague. This is going to be the first. Now, I want you to note this. <clears throat> As we go through these seven bold judgments, they're going to be extremely reminiscent to what happened in Egypt with the ten plagues in the Old Testament. The difference is going to be what happened in a small geographical area of Egypt and to the people of Egypt, these judgments are going to be global. They are worldwide. And the first judgment that God gives is that of painful sores on people who, re who received the mark. Do you remember in the previous chapter 15 that we just read, those who did not receive the mark where? Where are they? They're in heaven. They've been killed for their faith. They've been martyred. They're rejoicing around the throne of God. They're singing the song of Moses, Exodus chapter 14, when they crossed the Red Sea. They're singing the song of the Lamb. They've overcome. But what about these who did receive the mark? They're receiving painful sores throughout all their bodies. Now, this is very interesting. In the Bible, when it talks about painful sores like this, what it is referring to is the rottenness that's on the inside manifesting on the outside. That's the picture. And it's interesting that Moses gave a prophecy back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and you can read it for yourself. And God gives a warning and says that for those who rebel against God, those who refuse to follow his law, those who go in rebellion against him, that he says, painful sores from your foot to the crown of your head will come upon your body. To our knowledge, 
That has never happened upon the earth. That prophecy has never been fulfilled. Could it be that God reserved that prophecy from Deuteronomy 28 for this day in Revelation chapter 16? I believe it's that prophecy being fulfilled. So what is the first bowl judgment? Number one, it's painful sores upon the bodies of those who received the mark. Now see, some scholars speculate, is this going to be some kind of reaction to the actual mark, whatever that karagma, whatever that seal, whatever that brand, whatever that is that they're going to inject or that they're going to brand or mark, the, the, the word is almost like tattoo or that seal, could it be a reaction to that? Again, I think what, at least what helps me in the speculation of, well, what could cause this and what could cause that? Rather than saying, oh, well, scientifically or medically, this could be the things that happen. No, don't forget, these are judgments of God, period. These are supernatural judgments. What causes it? I don't think that's our main concern. The fact is, those who receive the, the mark of the beast, they're going to have immensely painful sores. Now, second angel. Verse 3, the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I did a couple of little searches on my, on my Google device. You know, the oceans of the earth cover 71% of the surface of the earth. Think about that, 71% are covered by the oceans. They tell us that 50%, as a high, possibly up to 80% of all life on planet Earth is beneath the surface of the oceans. And according to this scripture, God's gonna turn it to blood. And every living thing in the oceans are gonna die. Friends, can you imagine the stench that that's going to cause on the earth? Can you imagine the chaos that that's going to cause on the earth? Right now, you can look up how many ships sail the oceans of the world right now. Look up how much cargo, look up how much freight, and how many goods are shipped across the earth. Can you imagine what it's going to do to supply chains? Can you imagine the disruptions it's going to cause in the economy? Can you imagine what it's going to do to the climate? Can you imagine what it's going to do to the earth as we know it for the oceans of the earth to be turned to blood? What did God do in the book of Exodus? He turned the Nile River into blood. What's he going to do in the plague of the last day? He's going to turn the oceans, 71% of the surface of the earth is going to be turned to blood. Can't even fathom the devastating effects of this. Third angel, please. Verse 4. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O (coughs) Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. Wow. I want you to feel the weight of what was just said from God's word. 
because they have shed the blood of saints and of prophets, God will give them blood to drink. And who caused it? Whose wrath is it? It's not the wrath of man. It's not the wrath of Satan. It is the very wrath of God Almighty. And scripture says, you caused these plagues. And the Bible says, they deserve what they get. Why do they deserve it? Because friends, in all of this, throughout all the seal judgments, throughout all the trumpet judgments, yet they will not repent and they will not turn from their wickedness. Now, they tell us that 3% of the earth's surface is fresh water and God's going to turn even fresh water to blood. Can you imagine what it is going to be? Who knows? I, I, I let my mind run wild thinking about this, but I mean, maybe, maybe there's going to be whatever stockpiles of, of, of bottled water. Maybe there's stockpiles of soda and fruit juices and things like that that man will have to drink for a short while, but how long will it last? Can you imagine what it's going to be when there is no fresh drinking water what mankind will do, what is going to drive humanity to. And yet in all of this, God is just in his judgments. And why did God do this judgment? It's very clear. Because the totalitarian system of the last days this beast, this antichrist, this without the mark of the beast, chapter 13, no one will buy or sell. They will be killed for their faith in Jesus. And because they will kill the saints and they'll kill the prophets, God says, I'll give you blood to drink. And God will be just in what he does. Next angel. Verse 7, and I heard the altar say, <coughs> yes, Lord God, the almighty, oh. true and just are your judgments. Now, who is this altar? Again, go back to chapter 6. In the very beginning, what the Bible calls the wrath of the Lamb. When the sealed judgments are broken, part of those sealed judgments, I believe it's the fifth judgment, a part of that sealed judgment, it's going to be the martyrdom of saints on the earth, those tribulation saints. And the Bible shows them sheltered underneath the altar of God. They're protected now. They're sheltered in heaven. And the Bible says the souls of those martyred saints, the souls, they cry out to God, how much longer till you avenge us? And do you remember what God says? Wait a little while longer until the full number of your brothers are complete. And now what we saw back at chapter 6 in the beginning of the judgments have now come to completion here in the ending of the judgments. And now what, what is the response of the souls of the altar? Your judgments are just. Friends, I cannot stress enough. If in your heart and if in your mind you go, this is not the God I worship, then you worship the wrong God. If in your mind you go, I don't pray to a God like that, then you have a very humanistic view of God. And it's not the God of the Bible. Next, please. Verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. 
They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. Wow. Now, what is this judgment going to be? Huh. The sun is going to scorch the earth and the earth dwellers. Now, we know that the ozone layer is thinning. Could it be that God will allow the ozone layer to thin to such a degree that that will cause us judgment? It could be. But again, these are supernatural judgments of God. They are not effects of man or of Satan, but of God Almighty. Could it be... I I want you just to think with me for a moment. Could it be that God is preparing the earth right now for what he predicts will happen? Did you see how hot it was in Spain yesterday? Have you seen how hot it is in the Mediterranean? Have you seen how hot it is on the West Coast? Is God preparing the earth for such judgments? Caleb, take us to Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. I want to read this for you. Now, (coughs) excuse me. While I do not follow climate change, I don't disagree that climate change is not happening. I just don't follow the agenda and I don't drink the Kool-Aid of what they preach on climate change. Why? Because climate change, as I have told you in my view, is becoming the new religion of the last days. But do I think man should be irresponsible with the earth? No, I don't think that. We are stewards of the earth. Are there certain facts that are true? Yes, there are. Are there certain effects going on? Yes, I don't deny that. But understand, when you hear climate change, you need to pay attention to the agenda that is behind it. The political agenda that is behind it. And be assured, there very much is a strong agenda behind it. And I believe that God, in part of his judgments of the last days, is going to judge climate change. And I believe this is part of God getting the earth ready. Why is the earth heating up? I believe it's because it's headed toward what we're hearing right here. And, and, and follow the progression of the plagues. Sores, painful sores break out on the human body. How desperately are they going to need fresh water? And what happens next? Both the seawater and the fresh water are turned to blood. And then what happens next? The sun scorches the earth and the earth dwellers. Friends, can you imagine how desperately needed water is going to be when the sun scorches the earth like this? And there'll be no water. And here they are with their painful sores. And here they are with 71% of the earth in blood and no fresh drinking water because of blood. And here they are in the stench of the ocean life being killed. And here they are in the pain of the earth being scorched by the sun. And what does the Bible say? They still will not repent. 
with burning tongues, they will curse the God of heaven. Does that amaze you? It amazes me. And even though I'm a blind man, let me tell you, I pay very close attention to this culture. I pay very close attention to society. I pay so close attention to the media and the news and politics. And let me tell you, can you not see the people of the earth today reacting just like this? And yet, they will not repent. If anything should have brought the earth to repentance, it is COVID-19. And has it done it? Yet men will not repent. Hmm. Caleb, read Malachi 4, verse 1 for me, please. Malachi says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. When all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble, the day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. See, the thing that you and I have to understand about God, you and I can read this chapter and we can say God is such a mean and a cruel God. Friends, Malachi chapter 4 verse 1 was prophesied thousands and thousands of years ago. Here's what you have to understand. God never executes judgment without announcing it first. And yet today, for those of you that you're not born again, God's warning you. God's pleading with you. God is giving you warning after warning after warning. Why? Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Next verse, please. Verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. Here it is again. They still will not repent. And here they are with their painful sores. Here they are with no fresh water to drink. Here they are with the stench of ocean life being killed. Here they are with the sun scorching their very bodies and their very tongues. And here they are in utter darkness. And yet they will not repent. Stunning. Stunning. What is this darkness? Joel chapter 2 verse 2 prophesies it. Joel chapter 2 verse 2. What is this darkness? God is God. Listen, in chapter 13, when we're introduced to the beast, do you remember what scripture says? Who can war against the beast? Friends, God's answering that question right here, right now. God is warring against the beast. And he plunges Satan's kingdom into utter darkness. And here they are with their sores. Here they are without water. Here they are with scorched bodies and scorched tongues. And now here they are in outer, utter darkness. And yet they won't repent. Next verse. Verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bull on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Go ahead and read the next verse, please. 
And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits, performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Now this is very bizarre. Why are we seeing global plagues, the sores, the waters, the sun, the darkness, why are we seeing global plagues and now all of a sudden it shifts to a certain geographic region, the Euphrates River? Has anyone ever done a cruise down the Euphrates? No, I didn't think so. Why does the Bible stress the Euphrates? Next week, I'm going to call next week, we're going to be in chapters 17 and 18. Friends, we're, we're coming to the... The end is in sight. We're coming to to the finale here. And next Sunday, we're going to see the fall of Babylon. And we're going to answer the question, is Babylon a literal physical city or is it a system? Is it a religious, an economic, a political system? We're going to answer that next week, and we're going to see the great fall. We're going to see the mystery and the fall of Babylon, and I'm telling you, it's going to be fascinating. Is Babylon code for Rome? Is it the Vatican? Is it New York? Is it the United States of America? What is Babylon? We're going to answer it with the word of God next Sunday. Why does it shift to the river Euphrates? I believe because it has to do with the next three chapters. Now, what the scripture is going to teach is that God is going to dry up the river Euphrates. Let me say this quickly because I got to move on. So if you're going to take notes, just note this. The river Euphrates has for thousands of years been a natural boundary to armies. Rome couldn't figure out how to cross it. Uh, in so many world empires, the river Euphrates has been a formidable boundary that armies have been unable to cross. The river Euphrates is 1,800 miles long. And why is God going to dry it up? Because the Bible says that the kings of the east are going to march across it. Who are the kings of the east? We believe it's China. And what's going to be the allies of China? Would that be North Korea? Would that be even South Korea? Would that be Vietnam? Would that be Nepal and and, uh, possibly even Afghanistan? Look what we're seeing right now in our news. You think we're going to have a presence? uh, You think we're going to have any sway there now? Pay attention. Watch what's happening. And these armies are going to march and they're going to cross the river Euphrates. Why? Because God is going to gather all the armies of the earth to Armageddon. This is setting up what God is orchestrating. And so what's going to be the pavement they're going to walk on? The riverbed of the river Euphrates. And God's going to supernaturally dry it up. Why is it a plague? Because it's going to set up the greatest battle of all human history, and we'll be there in two weeks. Why? <coughs> not, not, not literally. <laughs> uh, in, in our study. 
<laughs> don't tweet out, Pastor Chad says it's happening in two weeks. No, 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 no. We're going to be in chapter 19 in two weeks, God willing. And we're watching everything being said. Remember, God always announces judgment before he executes judgment. These three frogs that come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the Antichrist or the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, what is this? Again, it takes us back to Egypt. What are these frogs? These are demon spirits who is going to cause, I believe personally, they're coming to Israel. And I believe it's going to be Satan's last stand for anti-Semitism. And I think they're going to stir up all the armies of the world. Because why is the world going to be so on edge? Why are all nations on brink? Why will all nations converge on Israel? Because, friends, there's sores. There's no water. <laughs> there's darkness. There's uh, sun scorching the earth. These things are happening, and it's going to push the world. It's going to push governments. It's going to push leaders. It's going to push humanity on the very brink of utter chaos. Next scripture, please. Verse 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Now, this is very important. And the reason I mention this is because one of my goals throughout this study is I want you to have a greater sensitivity and a greater appreciation for the structure of the book of Revelation. If you just jump into it and begin to read, you're going to scratch your head and it's not going to make sense. But when you understand patterns and when you understand structure of the book, then the picture begins to come together. And so there are certain structures. What do we say the number seven? How important is the number seven? It's laced throughout the entire book. What did we say about the way the trumpet judgments and the seal judgments and the bowl judgments are all laid out? What do we say about the categories of people, the tribulation saints, the living creatures, the angels, the church, Israel, and all the 24 elders and all of these groups of people? When you begin to see the patterns and when you see the structure, then it all comes together. Together. And here's what I don't want you to miss. There is always, this is part of the structure, there's always a break between the sixth judgment and the seventh judgment. Now, they're wide in the previous ones, and this one's very short. Why is it very short? It's only one verse. Why? Because again, it's like labor pains upon a woman. The intensity is greater, time is short. So, what did we see? In chapter 6, the sealed judgments, there were only six sealed judgments in chapter 6. And then it asked the question, who can stand? The answer is chapter 7, the 144,000 sealed Jews and then the tribulation saints. And then you come to chapter 8, verse 1. Then the seventh seal happens. And then the scroll unrolls into the next trumpet judgments. And then chapters 8 and 9 are six of the trumpet judgments. Where's the seventh? There's a parenthesis. It's like you catch your breath. Chapter 7, you catch your breath. And then the seventh seal judgment. And then comes the seven trumpet judgments. And you catch your breath. And then here's chapters 10, 9 and 10. And then 11 unrolls the seventh 
trumpet judgment. Then there's a great parenthesis, chapters 12, 13, and 14. And now, here we come, chapters 15 and 16, and now the seven bold judgments. And is there a parenthesis? Yes, this verse. And what is this verse? Behold, I come like a thief in the night. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When Jesus says he comes as a thief in the night, he never says that to his people. He says it to the lost. Why does he not say it to his people? Because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, we are not children of the night. We are children of the day. We are not children of the night that this day should overtake us. No, we understand because we're children of the light. Amen? And so here is the last and the great warning. And here comes the seventh and the finale of the judgments of God on the earth. Read it for us, Caleb. Verse 16, <clears throat> and they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake, such as there had never been since man was on the earth. Let's pause right there. <clears throat> was there not a great earthquake yesterday in Haiti? 7.2 magnitude? Friends, this is going to be a global earthquake. We know earthquakes in regions certain fault lines, certain areas of the world. This is going to be a global earthquake. But listen, I, I don't want to miss this. The seventh bowl was poured upon the air. Why the air? I think two possible reasons. I'm running out of time, but can I take a few minutes yes. to explain? Will you give me just a few extra minutes? Yes. We took up our offering, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Oh, I, did. I got plenty of time. You can leave if you want to. We're, we're done. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. Why the air? Why the air? I think there's two possible reasons. Number one, climate change. I think, I think throughout all of Revelation, God's going to judge the religion of climate change. But I think number two, what is Satan called? He's called the God of this world. And what else does the Bible identify him as? What does it call him? The prince of the power of the air. Huh. And the last and the final judgment is poured on the air. And when this happens, friends, the very contour of the earth is going to be forever changed. And watch what happens. Here comes the great earthquake, and Caleb, wrap us up with what happens after the earthquake. Verse 19, the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine. So, Paul's right there. Let me just say this. <clears throat> Excuse me. In two weeks, we're going to be at the Battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo, and we are going to see the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's the grand finale of all of human history. And we're going to study it out of the pages of the Bible. But before that happens, God has one more agenda item. And what did the scripture just say? 
and God remembered Babylon. Is Babylon a city or is it a system? Come back next week. Same time, same channel. All right, next. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away and no mountains were to be found. Listen, every island, World Atlas tells us there are some 2,000 islands on the earth. And every mountain was flattened. The very contour of the earth is going to change. What a great and incredible judgment of God on the earth. Next. Verse 21. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people. Can you imagine that? Hailstones, 100 pounds each. If you saw hailstones of 100 pounds each fall on the earth, would you not cry out to God? And yet, what will man do? Here it is. And they cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe. And yet they cursed God. As you watch the news, as you listen to the media, begin to pay attention and say, should these things happen in our day, in our lifetime, how would they respond? Friends, COVID has shown us how the earth will respond. They will not repent.